There was a bar near the dock. I ran in and asked the bartender to give me about a case of beer. When I told him where I was bringing it, he gave me a great price. I asked him to include New York brands such as Pabst Blue Ribbon, Schaefer, Schlitz, Peels, Ballantyne, and Rheingold. I knew that since the Civil War, the U.S. military has never been that far from beer. I'd already been to Vietnam twice as a seaman, and I felt assured that I could replenish my supply with the bigger American brands like Budweiser and Miller once I got there. But I wanted to bring some hometown favorites. Sure as hell wasn't about to go all that way to buy them the local Saigon swill. They have decent beer down there now, but during the Vietnam War, one bottle might smell like vinegar, another like formaldehyde, another like the Harlem River. Then maybe you get a good one. That's why you had to drink three or four. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Let to Lens podcast, a safe place for folks who like the movie more than the book. We're recording this on Wednesday, October 5th, 2022. Um, and this episode is the greatest beer run ever. With me to talk about the adaptation is the union supporting LBJ voting and PBR enthusiast, Mr. Eric. Say hello to the people. E. Hello, everyone. We are actually drinking some PBRs here. This is a, a common occurrence on the Let's Lens podcast. The, uh, Let's, not a common. Let's Lens After Dark <laughs> is, yes. uh, is what this episode is. Yes. It only um, made sense really with the, uh, the topic of, uh, of this novel here memoir it's true fiction yeah it, it felt right um and it's funny because immediately when i started tasting the pbr it, it immediately reminded me of college it's very light um it's very watery it's very watery it has like very little flavor yeah but you know but it's crisp um if i was in vietnam well you know what i would really want is a nice warm pbr that has just been sitting in a duffel bag for uh you know 35 <laughs> hours if there's any place to have a pbr it's Vietnam. I think that's right. For sure. Um, so as you people already know, we're talking about the greatest beer run ever, which um, is a movie that just came out on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, before we talk about the movie, let's talk about the book uh, with some fast facts. It's written by Joanna Malloy uh, and John Chicky Donahue, who is who the book is about. Uh, published in May 2017 by William Morrow. Uh, 3.95 rating on Goodreads. Uh, it's a pretty recent book. Um, came out just a few years ago. Well, five years i guess it feels like only a few but we're now in 2022 almost 2023 so uh the movie released september 30th on apple tv plus directed by peter farrelly who has also directed dumb and dumber there is something about mary and uh the academy award-winning best picture film green book um screen screenplay was also by peter farrelly brian curry and pete jones uh the movie stars zach efron and russell crowe uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 42%. Metacritic, 39%. So, not great. Not great. So. You didn't even put Bill Murray in the starring. Bill Murray's in this movie for yeah, like that's true. seven yeah. minutes. He doesn't... I wouldn't say he stars in it. But they do have his name on the bill. He sells it. On the Wikipedia, it was just Russell Crowe and Zac Efron. So, don't blame me for this. Interesting. Blame I, Wikipedia. Yeah. Bill Murray gives like very little effort in this movie. Yeah. So, that's probably for the best. Yeah. So, uh, but those are the fast facts. Eric, can you give us a quick recap? Yes. The book... In 1967, John Chicky Donahue leaves New York City to track down his army buddies in Vietnam and share a couple of cold ones with them, although they end up being warm. While he's able to deliver many of the beers, he gets stuck in Saigon during the Tet Offensive and sees firsthand the horrors of war. The effects of colonialism, the spread of communism, the power of friendship, and 
clear, crisp, clean drink and pilsners feature prominently. I like that. Will, that is the greatest beer. Did you write that or was that from somewhere else? Uh, I wrote the last sentence and I kind of rewrote the the first sentence a little bit. I I used to take these from, I still kind of take them from like the Google summaries, but they are getting progressively worse. Whoever writes those Google summaries isn't doing a very good You think it's like an AI? Probably. (laughs) Um, Cool. Are you ready for Two Truths, One Lie? Yes. The game that everybody loves to play. Yeah. Number one, the audience score for this movie on Rotten Tomatoes is more than double the critic score. Number two, Peter Farrelly's highest rated film based on Rotten Tomatoes scores was not The Green Book or Green Book, whatever it's called. Um, And Russell Crowe had a four-year run of Best Actor Academy Award nominations. Back to back to back to back. Eric, can you spot the lie? Hmm. So let's take it. Let's take it from the second one. Peter Farrelly's highest rated film based on Rotten Tomato score was not Green Book. I feel like Green Book was fairly divisive. Uh, it would make sense to me that like Dumb and Dumber or something about Mary could have a higher Rotten Tomato score. So I'm thinking that is true. Um, despite Green Book winning Best Picture, mm-hmm. uh, a fairly um, contentious, let's say fairly contentious choice. Uh, the audience score, for number one, audience score for this movie on Rotten Tomatoes is more than double their critic score. So you said the Metacritic is f- about 40, Rotten Tomatoes is about 40. So audience score would have to be 80. I suppose that's possible. Who doesn't love to see like swole ass Zac Efron, <laughs> you know, cracking open a PBR? Yeah two-hour commercial for pbr uh and then russell crowd a four-year run of best actor academy award nominations so famously he wins back to back right for mm-hmm. gladiator and uh that movie which is escaping me john nash uh the beautiful mind which i don't have at the moment is a beautiful mind and then <laughs> nice, right before nice. that in 1999 he does la confidential right which i conceivably could give him a best actor nomination he does like Master and Commander in there, like 03, right? I don't know that it's four. I could believe it's a three year run. I don't know that I believe it's a four year run. So I'm going to say it's not a four. A four year run is pretty epic. So I'm going to say that's it's not the greatest Academy Award run ever. Man, you're getting better at these. I'm right? Very correct. Oh my God. It was a three year run. It was The Insider, oh, Pacino, okay. and then the two that you mentioned Gladiator and um, A Beautiful Mind. But yeah, so the the um, great job by me. <laughs> Give me some. Rant. So the so the audience score was eighty eight. If I'm if I'm wow. n- not okay. mistaken, um, which just like jumped out at me. Um, uh, but maybe this or sorry, it was ninety. So the oh, the tomato meter moved. Sorry, the tomato meter is forty one percent now. Audience score is ninety. But yeah, so the people who saw it loved it, at least on Rotten Tomatoes. So I've seen word that people really like Zac Efron in this. I think he's like very well cast, which I think makes some sense. Mm-hmm. He's like cut and you know, this is a war movie. And yeah. also like, you know, the sophomoricness of beers. Yeah. So I, I feel like it, I all, can see it. it kind of fits. I wonder he's got, I feel like he's got, we'll get into this later. Cause this is part, part of my hot take, but um, he's got, he must have some sort of a bro uh, fan like a group i don't know you know what i mean like people who are rooting for for him to do well yeah well he's got the hsm hive well although he kind of like has distanced himself from what is hsm hive the high school musical hive 
Jesus Christ, I forgot we were going to get into this. <laughs> no, we don't have to get into it. But, you <laughs> no, know, we can. We should. That's how he got famous. And I think a lot of the people that watch that watch those movies in high school or when they were young, you know? Yeah, enjoyed them. Affection for yeah, that's fair. The, the cast. Yeah, I was not a part of that crew, unfortunately. It's sort of like, like, like monoculture died around like 2011, 2012. We're talking about monoculture. Like when everybody watched one thing. Like that kind of stopped happening. Oh, I see what you're saying. Sort of like 2012, 2013, right? Maybe. Yeah, I don't I know. I guess we had Thrones in there, which was kind of like the last thing that everybody watched. Yeah. But like everybody watched That's High School true. Musical when they were young, except for you. Everybody read the Harry <laughs> Potter books when they were young, except for you. <laughs> so like we all had these cultural touchstones and yeah. therefore like the face of that is always going to be a thing yeah. for as long as he's around. So That's like true. Zac Efron is always going to be the guy in High School Musical and everyone's always going to root for him. That's interesting. Like a cultural theory on the Little Lens podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Sign up for our masterclass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so you are correct. Well done. I think this is like a, actually, I think this is like three in a row that you've gotten something like that. So I'm, I'm you're on a run. I'm nearing Russell Crowe's <laughs> four straight, right, nearing his territory. Yeah. Um, but we have another game called Over Under, which I think this is our second installment, um, which is always fun. The number is twelve point five. The subject is MTV Movie Award nominations. Oh my god! Between Russell Crowe and Zac Efron. Just between top, them two? Just those two. Oh, jeez. So, as mentioned, Zac Efron has, like, probably a good run in MTV circles, like, getting nominated for the High School Musical and then, like, post-High School Musical, 17 again, some of the other, like, high school comedies, Hairspray, uh, I don't know what else, the Neighbors, right? Neighbors 2, which are some good movies. <laughs> Neighbors 2, colon, Sorority Rising um russell crowe i could i don't even know man like he was was the mtv movie awards a thing when russell crowe was young i feel like it wasn't but you could see him getting like a gladiator nomination or but like the rest of russell crowe's movies are very like oscary so i don't i don't see that crossing over with mtv so i'm gonna oh man i'm gonna say under because i think zach efron is like doing the work here and i don't think he i don't think he gets to 13 you don't think Russell Crowe Russell Crow pulls enough weight here. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I may be proven <laughs> wrong, but that, that's my hypothesis. Uh, you are incorrect. Um, All 13 are from Russell Crowe, <laughs> not a single Zachary. You are incorrect in the number, or saying under. It is over, so it's 14. So 11 for Zach Efron, and then 3 for I Russell fucking Crow. knew it. Oh my <laughs> you were correct in, your, uh, in general, but not when okay. it came to... Uh, over under so yeah sorry so we had to do that so you could lose and eat crow and not uh win everything but um but that is it um for this section not the entire podcast don't worry we're coming back for more uh we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back this episode of the little ends podcast is brought to you by pabst blue ribbon heineken fuck that shit nature's choicest products provide its prized flavor only the finest of hops and grains are used to make Pabst Blue Ribbon, selected as America's Best since 1893. Pabst Blue Ribbon. I'm sorry, is it hipster to drink good beer? Brewed in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Please drink responsibly. And we are back. Thank you for listening to that ad from Pabst Blue Ribbon, who um, are great sponsors. They've been with us, with us since day one. Um, we think they make a great product, and we're just glad to 
finally uh, release this out to you guys and show you our appreciation for what they do. Yeah, if you're drinking Heineken, please spit that out. Pick you up a nice. <laughs> you fucking or kidding me? Who the fuck's drinking Heineken? That Dutch fucking beer? Well, yeah. God Almighty! You think that Heineken's like the zero point zero Heineken is the reason they're still around? Because they like that non-alcoholic market is like very sweet and juicy <laughs> right now, and they're like the second entrant in behind O'Doul's. They're sellouts. Yeah, they're fucking sellouts. Yeah. Although we did go to the Heineken Brewery in Amsterdam, it was fucking cool. That doesn't, so. doesn't seem that cool. Yeah. Anyways, uh, back with our one of our fa- most favorite um, sections here called Pitch Me Daddy. So Eric is going to pitch me, the studio executive, on why we need to make this movie. I'm sorry, why we need to make this movie from this book. Why we need to take this material and bring it to the screen. I'm butchering this section. Eric, please take it away. Well, today I have the most amazing book for you. It's the story of one man who braves stupidity and stray bullets to deliver beer to his neighborhood boys in Vietnam during the Vietnam War. Not only is he successful, I know you like a happy ending, he happens to stop in Saigon during the Tet offensive the turning point of the entire war forget what you know about other vietnam movies the five bloods we were soldiers operation dumbo drop forrest gump born on the fourth of july good morning vietnam hamburger hell full metal jacket platoon apocalypse now the deer hunter the visitors the green berets this is fresh this is a fresh take on vietnam damn it there's comedy but it's not like funny necessarily like tropic thunder it's sort of like you know low-key funny in a way that won't make you laugh uh, this is the story of a regular Joe entering a territory controlled by Charlie. It'll be funny, like I said, but not too funny because this is a serious war film, but not that serious because it's also a little bit ridiculous. So <clears throat> the point is, this is a film about the first television war, a war where truth and lies enraged the American populace. Now tell me that's not relevant right now. And tell me you wouldn't like to laugh because I frankly don't know if you're going to. I think the best part about what you just said was your performance and not the actual content thank you <laughs> that was good you like riddling off all those different movies yeah that was pretty good yeah vietnam is a uh, <laughs> quite frankly i think vietnam is like been really like combed over as far as content goes yeah yeah, yeah. like i i think we're that's my hot take later but i'll say it now i'll come up with a new hot take <laughs> but i think we're kind of good on vietnam movies yeah, like yeah. quite frankly like i i think we've gotten i think we've gotten everywhere yeah well, apparently not. We figured it out. Yeah. And we figured out Vietnam. Well, it's actually kind of crazy that this movie didn't get made like years ago. I guess they had to re- write the book, but like, how did the story not get told? I mean, this is a, I mean, thinking of just about this story in general, it is a wild story. Yes. And that is sort of the, the key that sort of draws interest, right? Like what the fuck this guy was in a war and he didn't have to be like, and he's delivering beer to people. Like what the fuck's the matter with this guy? It's it automatically like raises curiosity, raises questions. So you want to see like what the fuck, yeah, what is this guy all about? So to you know to get back to pitch me daddy, I'm in. I'm interested. There hasn't been a Vietnam movie since we were soldiers. Mel Gibson. No, I did these actually in chronological order. So oh wait, but the opposite. So the the five bloods. The Spike Lee movie oh, that's like right. three years that's ago. Right. And then We Were Soldiers before that. Okay. A little Mel Gibson. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so there has been a lot of Vietnam movies. I mean, you just did just like... Yeah, and <laughs> Tropic Thunder. Bunch. I think Tropic Thunder is maybe like... It's not the closest to this because Tropic Thunder is sort of like a purposefully crazy comedy. Mm-hmm. And this movie is a little bit more grounded in the reality of like 
you know, people call him like stupid. They're like, why, why are you yeah. here? Why, why would you be here if you haven't chosen to be here? Yeah. So there's something like inherently different about this in Tropic Thunder, but, uh, yeah, it definitely like the premise of it. One guy who like wasn't in the war, went to the war, braved all this stuff to like tell his hometown boys like, Hey, we still support you. Mm-hmm. He's like, is noble and like very stupid and also like you could get everybody killed by yeah. just being there yeah so it i don't know that it's like it's like both like selfish and selfless at the same time yeah it was really interesting for sure like yeah. fa- it's, fa- it's like a fascinating read mm-hmm. um especially how he got over there and how he got money and yeah like, was just able to survive by yeah basically like yeah. meeting different people and all that stuff um but you know at the the heart of it is like this is a book called the greatest beer on ever. And like immediately it sort of makes it silly or like, mm. uh, non-serious, non-serious. Exactly. But like in the inside of this book is like very earnest and serious for sure. Um, which is like, it almost is like the title does it a disservice. I think. In Correct. Some ways. Yeah. I would, yeah. I would hundred percent agree with you. Let's get into the book though, before we get too far into uh, this kind of stuff. But, um, which parts of the book were you excited to see adapted? Um, which parts of the book stood out to you? What was your favorite part? What do you think they could have done differently? Give us just like your general thoughts. So I will say for me, the, the beer delivery part was not my favorite. So n- no spoilers here, but like the guy makes it out to, to <laughs> he writes this book. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think like him going there with the beer was, was how the book started and it was interesting to see how he like was able to grab a ship, like hitch off, get there. But as soon as he gets there, whether like through the convenience of novelization or whatever, he like finds the first guy on his list. Like the mm-hmm. first thing he does mm-hmm. when he gets to Vietnam is like find his like one of his buddies. Yeah. Like Which he hasn't even like landed in Vietnam. Sees, yet. The first guy yeah. he sees is one of his <laughs> friends. And you're like, okay, I'll allow it. Yeah. Um and you allow it because like what we're working towards is this like back third back half, whatever it is like a pretty large chunk of the story that takes place during the Tet offensive. And to me, that's Mm. like the best part of this book Yeah, because it turns from like kind of a silly memoir into like a sort of like ethnographic study of what the fuck happened during this time. He was there in Vietnam at this moment where the war turned, where like the Vietnamese general, I'm forgetting his name, like, not Diop. Um, um, I don't even, I don't remember. Diop. I'll, yeah. I'll pick it up later. Where the like general figured out the best way to like turn the tide of the war was to turn like the truth on its head and mm-hmm. basically show that like, no, the Vietnamese took the American embassy. So like, we're actually not winning. Mm-hmm. And this is a moment where like we misunderstood what the Vietnamese were like capable of. And like the whole thing just sort of collapsed on itself. And so, to read him like there at the moment in the city where it all went down, like for kind of silly reasons was I thought like amazing. Mm-hmm. That was my favorite part of this book. I was sort of like iffy on it. And then we got there and I just like tore through all that stuff. Yeah, <clears throat> no, I agree. I I mean, um, it's more about the escape from Vietnam. That's the interesting stuff. Like you just, you just mentioned um, that was really interesting to me. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a silly premise kind of, but it's, it's so unique, right. That it's like this, this could be really, really interesting. 
Yeah. I think um, you sort of forgive it of that sin because it, it really turns into something else. Yeah. 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 So no, I agree. I, I, I really was interested to see how they, you know, were they true to the story on how he got out? Like what was the tone going to be of the story um, of the movie and stuff like all that stuff was interesting to me. Yeah. And I will, I'll just add the hook of the story is like he hitches a ride on a, a merchant ship as an oiler. They land in Vietnam eventually. And he's given like two or three days, I think two days, mm-hmm. 48 hours to like leave the ship and get back on the ship before it departs. Yeah. And so he's, theoretically supposed to find all his buddies in two days in this large country come back and go yeah and he gets stopped and like can't make the ship back mm-hmm. yeah um so that's sort of the, the hook there so yeah I, it, it, it kind of comes with its own like pre-baked narrative mm-hmm. right like there's yeah. a ticking clock can he make it back in 48 hours can he not what's mm-hmm. gonna happen to his way one of the things that i wanted to to like know too was like I thought a lot of the beer stuff was really easy. Like we just mentioned, he lands in Vietnam, finds his buddy, gives him a beer. Mm-hmm. He goes to the next place, another buddy, beer. His buddy helps him get to the third buddy, yep. beer, whatever. Like the beer was not very difficult. I was curious to see if they were going to make that more of a challenge because mm-hmm. it is kind of his quest is to do beer, 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 mm-hmm. or if they were going to take it in a different direction. Uh, and then I wanted to know how much war there was going to be um, yeah. just because we've talked about it a little bit, but like, you talked like tone, right? Like there is a war movie tone mm-hmm. and there is like a comedic tone. Yeah. And you see like Zac Efron, you see Peter Farrelly and you see the title and you think like comedy, mm-hmm. but then you are like setting it in Vietnam. So like, how do you navigate like a very earnest, serious story among like very, like a non-serious, non-serious way maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was going to be the hardest thing. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because like the book is very interesting um, and it reads easy, reads easily. Um, It's not super in depth. It just sort of tells the story. And I thought actually the story could have been better if there was more internalization from Chicky, um, the main character and like, really questioning why he's there what the hell is he doing with his life right like i would have loved more of that stuff um i did love like everything that was there but i just thought there was just so much room to really bring us into chicky's world because like we we're into his world but we're viewing it from an external place like if we are just brought into his mind for just a few brief moments where like he's questioning his you know his actions he's questioning you know um you know the war in general stuff like that uh and you do kind of get that in the reflections part um which is sort of like a an afterword of the book but um i just thought it would have been it's just such a ripe atmosphere for you to like really question what you're doing because it's a fucking crazy thing to do yeah i think that's a really good point I i think this book is more interested in the like journalistic realities of what he saw like there seems to be reportage that he did like after the fact to like weave into this story Mm -hmm. versus like oh i you know there is the like i felt like this i felt like that but it's you're definitely right like that stuff is definitely backgrounded in order to tell a story of like you know 17 guys took the american embassy in Mm -hmm. like 
90 minutes, three hours, whatever it was. And then we couldn't get it back for nine hours. Yeah. And so like, that was an important part for him that he relayed in a very like, you know, behind the camera lens way versus mm-hmm. like more expressing why he wanted to go to Vietnam or right. like how he felt reuniting with some of his friends, like on a deeper level than just like, Oh, it was great to see him. And then we went and partied and then we yeah. got hung over. And then I like had to go on my merry way. Yeah, it's just there was a lack of internal crisis with this character. And I just think like yeah, internal crisis. Well, listen, Come like on. see my uh, see my master class okay. later. <laughs> but like there's like imagine if you did this right. Imagine if you went into a war, even for like even for journalists and people for who are photo photo uh, photo journalists, I guess. Um, they must question why they're there they must like question themselves all the time because your life is literally potentially over at any moment um so i don't know i i I, that is like my biggest gripe with the book is that it lacked that internalization but i mean the stuff that was on the page was still great so i don't want to like i don't want to demean the book in any way i just thought it could have been such a great book had they changed the title you know, had they added that stuff, I thought it could have been fucking phenomenal. But um, it was like sort of like this is the action. We're giving you the action. We're giving you your dopa, your dopa hit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It definitely is the like the hardest hill to climb. Is like why on earth would you do this? Yeah. Because like it's so from the perspective oh, just... of history is is like one of the problems reading this where you're like obviously doing that is really dumb. Like we know that like we were being lied to. Yeah. And we know that like he didn't, we weren't winning, <laughs> but of time. course, like at yeah. the time he didn't know that. So yeah. it's, it's one of those things where you read it from the perspective of history. You watch it from the perspective of yeah. history and you're like, okay, Zach Efron, like, why are you, why are you like, that's why we need internalization. Right. So, so I think, yes, I think that you're exactly right. Okay. Thank you for saying that. Appreciate that. Yeah. But, um, so did we like reading it in general? Oh, definitely. And yeah. I thought there was enough of like new stuff that I didn't know that, mm. I, I enjoy it. And I'm not like I'm like the biggest Vietnam connoisseur, but um, there are things in here like, you know, I, I didn't know that the Tet Offensive was what turned the war. I didn't know this was both like, I knew this was the first TV war, but I didn't know this was like the first helicopter war. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that we use like moth mothballed ships from World War II. I didn't know about the Taurus, which are these like, like plain clothes CIA officers who just like moved through the country and, you know, fuck shit up for lack yeah. of a better word. <laughs> There's these this group of people called the Montagnards or Montagnards. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Montagnards, something like that. Yeah. Um, ethnic like Vietnamese ethnic minorities who were trained by U.S. special forces to like fight, and they would take days off to basically drink. Yeah, like yeah. wormwood mash, like absinthe sort of properties. That's a movie in and, and of just itself. like trip, and they would go trip for two days and then come back and fight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I thought all that stuff was like interesting and colorful and. Yeah, it was as a memoir slash like reported novel, like very interesting. Yeah, for sure. No, I really liked it. I'm yeah. I don't really know anything about the Vietnamese war other than that we the won. general. Yeah, that we won. <laughs> other than the general facts, but all that stuff was yeah, really really interesting. Um, cool. Is there anything else you wanted to mention before we break? No. Um, we're going to take a quick break and listen to the trailer for uh, The Greatest Beer Run Ever, and we'll be right back. 
Are you ready? What are we doing? We're gonna run for our lives. We're halfway home. Halfway? I'm Chicky Donahue, and I am not supposed to be in Vietnam. Hey, get your ass out of bed, you lazy bum. Look at you, sleeping your life away. Look at these scumbags. You're embarrassing yourself, and you're embarrassing your family. Do these protesters not know that our soldiers see that on TV? I'd like to go over to Vietnam, track down all the boys in the neighborhood, and give them a beer. I could do that. Do what? Bring him beer. He's not serious. He's hammered. Look at him. The man's stone sober. That's his fifth beer, maybe. Tops. I'm going to Vietnam, and I'm bringing a beer! Yeah! Hey, Chief, no chance you have a ship heading to Vietnam. 1,700 hours. Tonight? It's not going to be easy. But I'm going to show them that this country is still behind them. You're going to get yourself killed over there. It's like you said, everyone's doing something. I'm doing nothing. One morning, Smuggling beer into a war zone? That's not the smartest thing I've ever heard of. Certainly not the worst either. A new day, a new what if you start up here with Collins? <laughs> Just came to deliver a sudsy thank you card. And then, if you're still alive. You American? New York. Thanks a lot. You can hustle down to Dugan. Ta da! Chicky, I brought you beer. You shouldn't be here. You think this is funny? I'm not doing this for laughs. I'm doing it for all you guys. Time to go. Is it over? Yeah, you're dead. You don't get it, do you, chick? This isn't a John Wayne movie where you know the good guys are and you know the bad guys are. I didn't come all this way just to quit. Somebody's got to be here to see what's going on. I want the truth told for them. They're just kids. You're gonna find out it's a lot harder to get out of a war than it is to get into one. I'm trying to show them that somebody back home is still behind them. You got a good heart, Chicky. It's your brains I'm worried about. Who's this hand job? It's my next door neighbor. He brought me a beer. Hey. And we are back. Thank you for listening to the trailer for the greatest beer run ever. Hopefully you guys see it. Um, not in theaters, but on Apple TV plus, if you haven't got that subscription yet, you know, it's up to you. If you want to do it, I, you know, I don't really care if you do or not. We're not sponsored. <laughs> so fuck them. Um, but we do have a new, well, it's, it's not a, it's not a new section. It's a recurring section of Eric learns you something. Eric, take it away. Today. Will we are talking about, the domino theory unfortunately no one really understands what the hell happened in vietnam so i can't really explain that to you but i can explain to you however is the domino theory one of the key reasons why the united states became militarily involved in the vietnam war let's get into it as documented in billy joel's masterpiece we didn't start the fire in 1954 a communist army defeated french troops in the battle of dien bien phu and took control of what became known as north vietnam causing the colonizing French to withdraw from the region entirely. The region was split into four independent countries, the communist North Vietnam, neighboring South Vietnam, Cambodia, and Laos. The domino theory, and Will, you're going to want to listen to this, holds that increases or decreases in democracy in one country tend to spread to neighboring countries in a domino effect. One domino falls, the next domino falls. 
In the Vietnam scenario, several countries, the United States among them, wanted to keep South Vietnam from falling. If that domino fell, the theory goes, so too would Cambodia and Laos. Then, by extension, all other neighboring countries would be threatened. Here's what Chicky Donahue thinks to somebody at one point in the book. Quote, I thought about launching into the domino theory that if Vietnam fell into communist hands, then Laos would go, and then Cambodia, and then Thailand, then Malaysia, Burma, Indonesia, and maybe even Australia would be threatened, and India. But I didn't feel like it. If only he did, because ultimately Laos and Cambodia both went communist. This theory was also offered as an explainer for the rise of the USSR, but that's a lesson for another day and another book. Vietnam, confusing as fuck, but more or less the launch point for both the modern Democrat and Republican parties. That's a really interesting take. <sighs> that was it's, a lot. I've definitely heard this before, and I um, am reminded now of what it what it is um, after you um, gave us that uh, explainer so eloquently. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, it is a very interesting theory, and this is sort of the reason behind, or at least the theory for the reason behind starting the war, right, and continuing the war and yeah. pushing the war, war uh, to beyond its uh, lifespan. But it's interesting because, I mean, obviously we weren't, we did not exist uh, in the 60s, right, in the 70s. But at that time, communism was this thing that was feared. It wasn't just, you know, uh, known it was like this is something that's evil not good blah 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 there was a red scare in the 50s so it was like off the heels of that too yeah so it's a way different environment i mean you mentioned communism now and it's it's a different meaning it doesn't have the same effect i would say on at least on me um but yeah i mean it's weird to think about how this is this is sort of like a you know 3d chess right with your political um if you're a politico essentially like how things fall if vietnam falls laos falls cambodia falls that whole region falls china china is still right japan who knows what happens india um we could be at serious threat of like our influence essentially which is all what the u.s is about is essentially is influence but um yeah and i think there's some thought that like if a lot of that region went communist, then it would be very hard to trade. Or even if part of that, even if like the mm. North, South Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos goes communist, then like, it'd be really hard for us to trade with Japan because they might be like feeling pressure from mm -hmm. those communist States. And I don't know. I, I don't know what's right or wrong. I just know that it, it feels like that's a reason to like, keep sending our boys to, to Nam. Right. It's, it's like, yeah. this is, this is what we're fighting. Which is a weird thing it's a harder thing to explain to people. It's a harder thing for people to empathize with, right? It's easy for like, say for example, the Ukraine war, it's easy to empathize and sympathize with Ukraine and why the Ukrainians are fighting, right? It's not sympathetic at all to sympathize with the Russians. In fact, it's probably wrong to do that. Um, but you think about it from this perspective, it's like, well, we want to, you know, we want to push our influence and we want to maintain democracy throughout the world. Well, that's great. But like you're sending over 18 year olds who have their whole lives ahead of them to die for, you know, this theory that you think about our influence in the world, whereas our country is thousands and thousands of miles away. Like it's a harder sell is, is my point. Um, so I think they, they say that in the movie, to the movie's credit, where they, 
uh what's his face chicky is talking to his friend tom tommy tommy mm-hmm. um and is basically just like there's n- you know my, my dad says there's no hitler to fight yeah yes and yeah so it's sort of the same idea where it's like in this war the united states was fighting against an idea yeah. not necessarily like a person yeah there has to be an antagonist right there has to be an evil character or an evil act evil thing um so yeah. it's hard to fight against communism because communism is like just like it's an idea it's like a, a policy right right like, yeah it's like a government policy yeah so it, I, yeah it's harder to fight against that than it yeah. would be to like say kill hitler right which is how you know like captain america started so you know you're you're welcome culture if you fucking mention a marvel movie on this podcast again i swear to god you know what we need to start doing on these like after dark episodes is creating like a a rule like a key to start the episode which is like if you hear this drink if oh you hear yeah drink, okay and nice just time. like yeah i think for she said that's probably a good one that's not an after dark <laughs> episode that, i'm needing my full brain power to, to talk about do that at 8 a.m yeah um cool so let's get into the movie um and the differences but before we do that how would you describe it the adaptation was it literal loose or reimagined i am giving this one I, th- I think it's a pretty strong candidate for a loose tag like there are some new characters there are some characters who act a little bit differently than they do in the book um there's maybe more of like a clear hammered home message and lesson learned but i think ultimately it's the same story same story with a little bit of hollywood dust Ooh. like floated on it wow like pixie dust like angel dust angel dust probably pixie. like cocaine based on 19 pixie, 1977 pixie. 1967 might be a little early for a coke but I don't it's know never I'm too just, early for <laughs> coke baby <laughs> i walked in that one uh i'm just thinking of, of other dusts <laughs> i would agree it was definitely loose it, it had all the bare bones it had same characters for the most part and for the most part the same story the same setting it wasn't something completely out of the blue so but it was not um cut and dry a to z by any means yeah uh, what the book was so yeah i think loses the right um tag for it so differences let's get into the first one here is chicky donahue's motivation for going to vietnam so give us a, like a little bit of the the basics on this difference yeah so in the book this is the easy one uh there's not a lot so right. chicky goes to this bar with all of his buddies and they have a bartender that called the colonel you know read into that what you will <laughs> and they are all like sort of aggrieved at the state of the war in how like tv and the news shows the war efforts basically and they don't like how they are blaming the soldiers for like vietnam's failure they don't think it's the soldier's fault. They're very pro-soldier and they are anti-war to some extent. Like we talked about this off mic, but like the Colonel is, is probably more pro-war than any other character. But like Chicky himself is not necessarily pro-war. He's still anti-war, but he mm-hmm. is very pro-soldier. Right. Um, They really do just like sprout off. You know what would be nice? So we can give our boys a beer. Mm-hmm. And Chicky takes that and like, runs to the navy yard gets on a boat <laughs> and is in vietnam like he stops and gives his mom a call and he says mom won't be home for dinner. Ma. <laughs> won't be home for supper and just goes he pa- like i think he says he packs like 
one pair of one extra pair of socks yeah like um, that's almost it he grabs as the read-in suggests like a case of a couple cases of beer and just goes yeah in the movie i think rightly the impulse was like this is so like convenient and nothing Mm -hmm. like you can't just show him leaving to go to vietnam like there has to be more to it because a rational person wouldn't just do do that so like how can we layer in additional like rationale for this move yeah um and so i i think in the movie and i think maybe you disagreed a little bit but chicky and the colonel certainly are like to me like way more on the side of pro-war rather than just pro-soldier and in addition unnecessarily perhaps they give chicky this sort of like personality of well, Chicky, you never do anything. Mm. We should talk about the New York accent maybe in a bit. But <laughs> it's pretty good. basically like, Chicky, honey, you don't follow through with, with the things you say. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting worse. <laughs> uh, <something laughs> after and uh, so they, they sort of make him like a guy who's done nothing for the war effort. And he feels guilty about that. He's a guy that doesn't like complete things. And so when he has this idea to go to Vietnam, there's like a, an unnecessary 20 minutes where they're basically just like, oh, but we know you're not going to go to Vietnam prove us wrong yeah like and he's like i gotta yeah. prove you wrong it's a funny bit but like thanks yeah you're yeah. not fucking going yeah so not only is he pro-war not only is he like not doing anything for the war effort um he wants to on a personal level like follow through on mm-hmm. something at some point right right um and you made the point off mic also you do a lot of good work off mic i appreciate it um <laughs> where i do my best work actually <laughs> where they also compare him to they, they also do more of like f- familial work so we talked about his dad being pro-war in the book. His parents are like involved in like three phone conversations from like a pay mm, phone mm-hmm. very far away. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, we don't get like scenes with them in the house really. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the other end, his sister is like an anti-war protester and they go to an anti-war protest early in the movie and they get in a fight with some of the protesters cause they're so tough. <laughs> and later in the movie, he like comes back to his sister who's still mm-hmm. at, at the same anti-war protest yeah um and they have like a uh, you know a little hug fest there but mm-hmm. uh i think overall they took chicky donahue in the book which is like a very like closed off un 3d character like not very interesting besides the fact that he's going to vietnam and tries to give him a reason for doing this like very interesting thing mm-hmm. right I'm doing a lot of hand gestures yeah if you can't see um so yes Totally agree with the aspect of like, you know, giving him a backstory, um, more motivation, like personal motivation. Like I need to follow through. I need to do something with my life. I'm just like wasting away, like waking up late in the mornings, blah, blah, blah. Need to have some purpose. Um, there, there is really none of that in the book. The book's motivation, or the, I'm sorry, Chicky's motivation in the book is essentially just to support his friends and, and, there it might be a shed of sh- showing support for the um, uh, war effort as well, but that's not really discussed. The protesters are not really discussed that much. Um, so that is not the war, you know, being behind the war is not really a motivation for Chicky, I believe, from my opinion, for the book. And also um, a little bit in the movie, although they do dive into the protesters and his sisters in the protest march and there's a tizzy which i will say was an absolutely horrible scene um 
and I wanted to mention that the dialogue in that scene is especially horrible uh, with his friend who's just like, doesn't want to argue. He's just like, yeah, just hit me. Punch me in the face. I'll let you get a free one in. <laughs> like, right that's here. a great opportunity to actually show dialogue that represents the different ideologies right. in a clear way that, like, they just didn't do, um, which would have been really interesting and helpful to people like the audience, um, but just didn't, didn't materialize. But so th- there was this pro-war rhetoric, mainly from Doc Fiddler. And I think there was some support basically from the guys in the bar supporting Doc Fiddler for that, except for one of the characters. Um, but Doc Fiddler's is the bar. Sorry, yeah, Doc Fiddler's is like the bar. Isn't colonel. the guys? Oh, sorry, the colonel, yeah. But isn't his real name Doc it Fiddler? might be. Okay. Um, yeah, so anyways, he is very much behind the war and all that. So I, I agree with your point, but there are subtle differences um, with with each character. But I think it I think it actually plays into the movie's favor because it gets you a little bit more invested into this character. You have a little bit more understanding of like, okay, so he's he has no purpose. He's just kind of wasting away. Sure, why not? I could I could buy the fact that he does something crazy because he's you know just laying in bed all day, whatever, and going to bars at night. But um, so yeah, he's not even going to church. Well, he's waking up too late to go to church. I know that that was a funny scene where he like walks into church at the very end and walks. He's like the first one to walk out. You know what's funny? Uh, I'll tell a, a personal anecdote, but like I didn't grow up necessarily going to church, but my my mom and her like sisters did and they tell this story where they would like not go to church with their parents and they would just go to the church and grab like the program Mm -hmm. and bring it home so they would just go in grab the program and leave just to be like oh yeah i went like here's the here's the thing here's what it says and i i watched that scene i was like oh my god is he gonna just grab the program and leave (laughs) because i haven't heard that anywhere else and then he he doesn't i was like he basically that's basically what he does he sort of walks in and walks out with the processional it's like everyone knows you weren't here you know but yeah, yeah i digress um so that's the first difference. Um, and shout out to Eric's mom. She's a new pod listener because Eric didn't fucking tell her about uh, the pod for years. I'm a closed book. You're <laughs> you're just a guy of secrets. Yeah, much like Chicky Donahue. <laughs> Not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the second difference is Chicky's Vietnamese friend. I forget his name. Nguong. N N U O N G. Doesn't he have a different Wrong. name? Oh, you're right. You're right. You're in the right. book, in in the movie, it's Oklahoma. That's right. Yeah. As, yeah, yeah. as all you know, but not, his real name not is white people similar. are. You just kind of like give them nicknames, right? But yeah, well, of course, because <laughs> we can't pronounce anything. But um, yeah. So this. So here, give us the basics for it. So in the book, Chicky meets and spends a lot of time with this local Vietnamese man named Nguong. His father runs a hotel in Saigon, which becomes a place of refuge during the first moments of Tet. Um, and I, I think he like is a drinking buddy. He like, I think goes with him or like he's around when uh, Chicky is like taking food from a dock ship with a friend on it back to the hotel Chevelle, where a lot of like the Saigon action takes place. That's sort of like their hub. Um, Nuang's father owns a different hotel um, and it's where they, Seek, like I mentioned, refuge during during Tet. Um, through that friendship, we learn a little bit about Vietnam's history of oppression. Um, and I think Chicky, or the author, clearly draws out comparisons between what's happened in Vietnam being subject, subjugated by China, the Mongols, and France, and good old US of A, mm-hmm. um, and like sort of 
why that's important and what that caused. Whereas in the movie, um, there is basically like one Vietnamese character who matters. Uh, he's a cross scene guard who Chicky calls Oklahoma. And he the interactions are basically like the crossing guard directs him to the Hotel Chevelle and then also the U.S. Embassy later. Um, and through that second interaction, it was like, you know, enough to want to see him chicky in New York when all this is mm-hmm. over, mm-hmm. of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and then during the Tet siege of Saigon, obviously Oklahoma is killed. And it really becomes this like weird moment where chicky like grieves over the body of this like vietnamese man he didn't know very well to show how far chicky has come in his understanding of like vietnamese people and vietnamese culture and their like place in the macro political climate and like what the u.s is doing and all that so i think it's a it's kind of like a a sad silly unnecessary because this nuan character like could have done so much more example of of us just being like i had a vietnam vietnamese friend yeah 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 and let me tell you like (laughs) When he died, I was very sad about it. As a white person, we love doing this. Yeah, it was it was a little. I thought it was a little cheap, and yeah, yeah. we'll talk about this character in a second. But I think there, because there was like another character who we needed to use for certain things, um, this like Vietnamese character took a little bit of a back seat. But he took enough of like a front seat to have him do stuff, but like not enough to make him like worth having around if that makes yeah. sense i mean it would have been nicer to get sort of his backstory or some sort of view into his real world his reality being a vietnamese person who lives in saigon most likely um and is dealing with all this stuff like not directly obviously directly when they attack but like indirectly of all these new americans and french people and dealing with the war that's kind of surrounding them they don't really get into like the Vietnamese perspective at all. Like the bartender at the hotel Chevelle is Vietnamese, but that's like a limited character. Yeah. They don't, they don't show like, what does he do when he's not a bartender? You know what I mean? Like what is their life like without Americans around? That would be interesting to find out. Right. Like they do a lot of explaining. They do a lot of that explaining like vis-a-vis the journalists at the hotel Chevelle, Russell Crowe being one. And then the two other, like, the one American woman and then the one like British dude, mm-hmm. they sort of become the like, let me explain to you Vietnam son, since mm-hmm. you like aren't here to know what's going on. But that that's like, again, that's a secondhand perspective. Whereas you have like in the book, you have a firsthand accounting of what Vietnam is mm-hmm. and you're like, you're not using it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's cheap. It's unfortunate. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, it's it's it didn't have to be cheap but it was yeah so he, he just basically just gets used for chicky's self-actualization sort of yeah mm-hmm. yeah and like of course everybody wants to go to new york like yeah jesus fucking christ i haven't heard that one before i don't know yeah anyways also you don't need a crossing guard to tell you where like where the embassy is or like the hotel is like you can figure that out on a map you know what i mean like yeah i mean he's got an f- iphone like he can look up google maps he can <laughs> No, but I mean, even even so, like they're using that as his excuse to become friends with him. But like, you don't even need yeah, that's that. true. I mean, he's at a bar cool. with like a bunch of internationals. With... Yeah, you could meet a Vietnamese guy at the bar. You yeah. could meet a Vietnamese guy on the street. Yeah, you know, whatever. But he was in a hurry, so he had to ask. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's kind of it's a little cheap and unfortunate. It's tough. Yeah, it's a tough, 
tough way they did it. But um, anything else you want to mention about that one? Or you want to move on? No. Let's, let's move on. So number three, the role of the tourist. So the tourist is Chicky's character, right? What he pretends to be. What he pretends to be. Yeah. So we mentioned this earlier, but Taurus, basically a plainclothes person within Vietnam who is wink, wink, like CIA. Um, and when Chicky goes to Vietnam, like very haphazardly and quickly, he's just wearing plain clothes. And he, he talks about how he's like, he brought one pair of socks, one extra pair of socks. And it's basically just wearing the same clothes like the entire time. And they get dirty and nasty and smelly and all that. But, like, they are plain clothes, sort of like SSBD, chinos. Like, he kind of just looks like <laughs> me. But 1960, <laughs> so I, you know. Who, At least you iron your chinos. raided my closet for this for this <laughs> film. Um, and it, it's an interesting, like, plot device because as a tourist, he can use it as cover to, like, hop on Jeeps, hop on copters, whatever, to, like, get him to move around the country. He doesn't have to be specific about what he's doing. It's like, oh, I'm a, oh, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm just a tourist. Mm-hmm. And like, there's enough of them running around that he can basically just like say that no questions asked. Good. Like, let's move on. Very like nice pre-internet, like kind of stuff. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Like that was the best kind. Can't be a tourist anymore. No. Like everyone would know who you are. <laughs> you probably have like a QR code to get into like your tents. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's true. Who knows? I don't know anything about that kind of stuff, but, um, it it becomes like a way for him to move around the country, basically. Yeah, and it's 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 sort of an interesting difference because um, they don't they sort of get into the CIA aspect in the book um, that is introduced, but there's not really like this tourist. Oh, I'm just like this like dumb American tourist guy like visiting this, you know, country that's war torn, um, to like take photos and stuff and hang out and see what it's all about, but it does. You know, it's funny, we can sort of, I guess we can get into this, but this sort of reflects the tone of the movie that I thought was a bit misguided. Um, There are moments of lightheartedness, there's moments of, uh, I I was going to say hilarious, hilarity, but it really wasn't hilarious. (laughs) So I don't want to give it, it, yeah, oversell it, but there are moments of, of, you know, jokes and being funny and all that. And this is one of those where it just felt like, I don't know. It just, it just felt, it didn't feel right. Like it didn't feel like the right time. It didn't feel like the right mood. It didn't feel like the right joke even. Um, and I kind of want to talk to you about the tone because I think this is a big, this is a big issue with the movie, especially, but also with the book as well. Let's talk about it. Um, so there's this thing where there's the title, right? And you will know this from the Telus podcast, the greatest beer one ever. Sounds dumb, right? Sounds stupid. You think, oh, this is like a frat brother movie. It kind of, it kind of is in a way, um, but it's also like a brother brotherhood, like loyalist um, tones behind it. But it doesn't really feel that way. Um, and tell me if you feel differently. Like it, it felt like almost too serious at times and then like too lighthearted at times and it it needed to pick one avenue and like mainly go down that one it needed to be mostly serious with moments of lighthearted like a few moments of lighthearted joking or it needed to be like really really funny comedy with like moments of seriousness and it just like kind of did both 
like it, it kind of casts casted a wider net it was just kind of back and forth joke seriousness joke seriousness um i think it probably leaned more on the serious dramatic side but for something like this you either need to change the title of it and make it a serious movie or you need to name it the greatest beer whenever and then lean into that and have it be a comedy with notes of seriousness i'm with you 100 percent. i i think it was like it it was like riding the line so hard that it was almost like nothing yeah like it was it was it wasn't funny enough it wasn't serious enough to be either one of those things um and i was i was thinking about this as listeners of this podcast might know my one of my favorite movies of all time is tropic thunder no and that is a no way like a comedy <laughs> in, in vietnam and so i was thinking like why is that movie good and why is this movie bad because like that's a comedy set in vietnam and i find it funny and this is you know a, a dramedy kind of is like a sucky word but like this is a this is a comedic movie set in vietnam and is like very aggressively unfunny so like what's the yeah. difference i was thinking like in in tropic thunder there's no like pretense of like seriousness at all it's like from the very beginning it's vanity like all these actors are being sent into like actual vietnam so they can learn about actual vietnam and it's like so ridiculous that even the serious parts aren't like so harrowing because you're like okay like we know it's ridiculous and you're putting them through the ringer but like we laugh it off yeah this movie is every second it like gets is trying to impart its message on you which is like a like people are lying to you mm-hmm. you, you mm-hmm. need to like see the truth and be like all of his friends that he sees are like really mad that he's there there's, yeah <laughs> there's the one scene where i think the second guy he finds is like out on post and he gets radioed and he's like you got to come in mm. and the guy's like right now like they're all over me like I, yeah you gotta come in right now <laughs> And then Zach Efron's like, oh, quick, cover me with this blanket. And they're like, we're not going to fucking do that. And he, the friend walks in and he's like, why the like, fuck did you tell me to do that? Yeah. Like, do you realize how stupid this is? And he kind of doesn't. And so it's like this like buffoonery set against like what very clearly, even in the moment in the movie is very serious. Yeah, yeah. And while the like character path of Chicky is to understand the Vietnam War, which we'll forgive because like, that's fine. Like a, mm-hmm. there was descenders of the Vietnam war. We understand that like everybody didn't understand that like they were being lied to. That's the whole fucking yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. That's why Vietnam lasted for 15 fucking years. But like the fact that like, even in the moment he doesn't understand like what's happening while acting like an asshole is almost like an unforgivable sin. It's yeah. like, it's yeah. so not funny because he so doesn't get any of it. And it actually diminishes his character. Like, it makes his character less sympathetic. I think that's sort of, like, to the point you were just making. Like, it makes it made me dislike the character more. Um, and this is why... So, like, I think this all could have been resolved with different casting. So, like, the issue with casting, like, the guy who was on the front line had to run. Um, yeah. Like, I'm sure he's, like, a fine actor in Hollywood, whatever. Not... I did not recognize him. Not known didn't seem to be a comedic actor some seemed to be more dramatic at least in that role that's where you throw in somebody who you know is a comedic actor and you know the audience knows this person and you're like okay they're going to do something funny so you're the audience is sort of anticipating that 
and they like yell in a funny way or something. And this is why I think Zac Efron is miscast because although he's done comedies in the past, he's not seen as this comedic actor. He's not a funny person. Um, He's done funny movies, but he's not like a genuinely funny presence. Yeah, exactly. So like, that's why I think like he has, he was miscast. Like if you just throw comedic actors in this, like this is gearing towards a comedy, right? You're just, you're every moment in the movie becomes more lighthearted and becomes more funny. And so the funny elements of, you know, where the jokes were and stuff become heightened. Right. And so therefore you don't need as much dramatic, like presence, but you can still have it, but it becomes more prominent with a comedy with real comedic actors because there's that disconnect. There's this, like, there's a separation between, you know, like it's when you go to a comedy show and the comedian makes a funny joke, but he actually also makes a really funny point and really poignant point. And you're like, Oh, that's actually like really interesting thing that you said, but you actually made it really funny as well. That's where like the beauty comes in comedy where you like make this connection between the two separation points. Like, and there just wasn't, there just wasn't that. It was sort of like we're a dramatic movie with like funny parts. Try to be funny parts. And like I think a lot of the funny parts didn't land because it just was like these are not comedic actors. So um There's too much message for too much message. For comedy, I think. Yeah. Also, like it's it's scary, right? Yeah. Like it's it's hard to it's hard to make light of something that is like so very serious and it's like we know vietnam is serious but the movie treats it seriously um and when that guy runs in like after being he's like shot at like the whole way he runs in like that's not gonna be funny yeah like whatever happens after that is not gonna be funny because we're looking at that guy and we're thinking like holy shit what did he have to do to come find buffoon zach afron part of me is like would it have been better if he wasn't delivering beers because ultimately like who cares yeah it's a beer like i I know this is a real story and that's kind of the trouble with the movie is that it's a real story and like it actually happened and he kind of did all this stuff and i think that's why the book sort of tones down the why behind it because Mm -hmm. it's like very insane yeah yeah. um (laughs) but if if so like if he was delivering letters okay so like hey like Mm, let's say th- let's say there's one guy from the neighborhood yeah and everybody from the bar wrote him and signed him a that letter, would be wild and though. he's got to find the one guy and it's still ridiculous that he's going to vietnam we understand that but there, there's like this very heartfelt like thing yeah that's going to occur we we're like waiting for that moment yeah which is like i'm going to come to my best friend in the world who's in vietnam i'm going to give him this letter from everybody i'm going to tell him that we miss him yeah it's ridiculous but you know we sort of forgive that because the moment we're getting is so nice. Yeah. And like, is, is like heartfelt enough for it to work. Yeah. This is like, we're getting like four of those moments. Cause he keeps running into his buddies and keeps giving them beer. And progressively they're like, dude, you got to get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. Like, why do you keep, why, the why f- are you in here? <laughs> yeah. And when you get, so when you get moments like that and it's like, I, I don't accept this beer or like, Oh, you think this beer is going to do anything for me or all that. You're sort of undermining your own premise Yeah. by like, okay, well, I'm delivering beer all these guys are like, fuck your beer. Yeah. Then like, then you have a disconnect where it's like, this is the movie you're telling. And as you write it, you're sort of undermining, rejecting what you're trying to say. Yeah. You're invalidating the efforts of your main character as you're writing your main character 
go to the next like setup yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah it's funny it's it's um i think letters would be a much better story like i just i just think like that would the payoff for that would be much better it's almost like he just i mean obviously i think it's fair to say that he acted on impulse doing this like that that's a great thing to do i'm gonna go buy beers and bring it to him and then like he did it which is like kind of sending the wrong message i think um but like to your point it also doesn't really make sense like it's harder to sell that it's harder to have a moral message around that than like the letters for example but maybe that's why they were so like message heavy on like don't trust politicians you know like question everything um but still be loyal to your friends and the ones that matter blah 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 maybe that's why like maybe that like they were like we can't really like i want to make a you know peter Farrell was like i want to make a movie that's serious and has a message so well i can't have a message around what the fuck this guy did (laughs) yeah it doesn't really make sense it's 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 a little it's a little like a shallow i think like is that i don't know if that's a fair way to describe it but it doesn't feel like letters would have way more prominence and effect i think i think you're you're just trying to build to the moment and like when you're getting these moments in this movie yeah he's just like pulling the rug from them he's like that's, oh, yeah you know i'm giving you this beer and like it's from all of us back home and they're just like what the fuck, fuck? You, you know and, and i get it like it serves the message which is like you're not doing any you're actually not doing anything for me mm-hmm. by doing this but it's like he's fucking there we put him in vietnam like yeah give him something to do um and i will say those were some of the most like uh like least interesting non-rememberable points of the book as well like like we mentioned like it was the second half of the book where he was like on the run yeah and trying to get back to the u.s that was like really interesting um and that part was in the movie as well but yeah it, it didn't in the book it didn't feel like they were sweeping it from under the rug it was like a different yeah, uh, different feeling. I guess. If this if this book or movie was called like the tourist, like during Tet, the tourist in Tet or something. Like oh that, yeah, yeah. Tourist in Saigon. Uh huh. Like that's that sells me a very different story. Like for I, sure. I think like a little more effective. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's a very famous Graham Greene Vietnam book that's called The Comedians. Which is oh like, really? Like okay. Good, I, I kind of like that. He did. Title. Um. Oh my God, he did a uh, uh, Lunch Joint, the first the number one overall. Not Graham Greene. Right? Oh, I think it's a John Green. No. Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. That wasn't John Green either. It wasn't? No, Who the fuck was, was it? I don't know. Oh, it was The Fault in Our Stars? Yeah, that's John Green. John Green also in Welcome to Wrexham. We've done... Did he actually? He's in it. He's got a... He's, he's got a an actor in it? Yeah, he explains whales to, to people. Oh, God, away. There you go. Um, yeah, so we, we kind of lost the thread on the tourist <laughs> part of this which I'll just want to clean up real quick. So like he uses this shadow Cape as a tourist to like get around the country in the movie. They introduce a tourist character, like a Mm -hmm. real CIA agent. Yeah. Zach Efron essentially witnesses a war crime where he throws like a Vietnamese dissident out of a moving helicopter, (laughs) which is like very crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the tourist like makes it his mission to like, get Zac Efron and take him home because like obviously it's very obvious that he's a civilian in this country and like he shouldn't be in this country because yeah. he's a civilian um and so for part of the movie he's like running away 
from the CIA agent, which is never really resolved and kind of ends in like him running into yet another friend um, and then being taken to mm. Saigon. It was an interesting moment in the movie. I will say like I, I found I found that interesting because it's like you he has been using this sort of disguise sort of to get places like uh, he's been showing up to these, you know, U.S. military bases and secure locations and stuff. And he's like, they're like, what are you doing here? Like, what's your business? What do you need? And he's like kind of nonchalantly being like, I'm in the CIA kind of thing. And it actually works. It pays off. And they're like, fuck. Like, it's funny. There's a scene right before he meets his friend where we just described who had to run back from the front line where the guy, (laughs) the guy who meets him is like, fuck, they never tell me anything. It's fucking bullshit. Like that guy is a great actor. I think that guy is like, gonna be the next pick no i'm just gonna i don't think so (laughs) so i i kind of feel bad for that guy because like the joke is on him but he's just like a nameless drone you know what i mean yeah yeah and like it's a vietnam movie like let's for pro soldier like let's not make fun of this soldier for being dumb i will say he has another scene where they're like he's on post during the night and you're talking about like going back home and he mentions yes basically the fact that he's he actually came back twice i think or he's done like this is his third tour or something because he never felt like uh not accepted but like yeah he like grew out of his group or whatever yeah like he never felt right when he went back home so he's always he's always felt more comfortable on the front line or in the war in general which i thought was another interesting aspect that like wasn't really explored but was an interesting interesting moment in the movie um i thought i wrote down what he said but i i guess i didn't but yeah something yeah it was something to the effect of like yeah, I, 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 you know, I feel more comfortable here than I did back home, kind yeah. of thing. So I left my my family and friends and stuff again, basically, yeah. which is kind of like deep and incredibly personal, but um, something that I feel like it's more prevalent in today's society, so we can all sort of like understand it and empathize or sympathize, empathize with it. But um, but yeah, back to your comment on the tourist, it was an interesting sort of like side plot, right? he's on the run not just from the Viet Cong, right the vcs as they call them in the book um which is like kind of weird because vcs today are like something completely different venture capitalists like <laughs> kind of similar premise but no just kidding um they you know they have the side plot and it's it's fun it's interesting he's kind of on the run from them he's kind of on the run from the Viet Cong, and i don't know it, it doesn't wasn't really resolved but i thought it was I don't know. I thought, I thought it was interesting. It was a nice buffer for 15 minutes, right? Yeah. I think ultimately it like took away his ability to pretend to be a tourist for the rest of the book. So like now it makes travel a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's sort of like, this is how you've been doing it. Now you can't do it like that anymore. Yeah. So we're going to clip your wings a little bit. Yeah. I will say I didn't, I, I thought I didn't find it like that believable that he was able to figure out that he was being set up yeah yeah like that was like you got to be a high level cia guy be super skeptical to like realize something like that but yeah i don't know maybe it's just that smart what i will say is i i did uh, my appreciation of zach efron was that like if this dude was in vietnam looking like that like okay he looks like cia you know what i mean yeah like that that part of his like physicality i thought that definitely worked. worked yeah um okay enough on the taurus we are moving on to the journalist, Mr. Russell Crowe. Yeah. And I have one more to hit after this so we can. Okay. We got, we're deep. We, like we're already one fifteen deep. So like, 
Let's do it. So the journalist. So in, in the book, um, Chicky makes the Caravel Hotel his sort of like hub, and it's a meeting point for various different kinds of people. Um, I think at some point in the book he says bars democratize. Yeah, that people. was a great line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's kind of like that's kind I, of I, like his message. You know, what I it mean? is like, kind of yeah. Anybody comes into a bar and they're equal. You have to wait in line to get a beer. Yeah, yeah. Um, so not the same at clubs though. The clubs are different. They get bottle service. So just wanted to make that distinction. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, you know, he meets all kind of people in Vietnam. No one is like too specific. You know, his Nuong, his Vietnamese friend. There's there is a journalist character, um, in the book who gets a little bit of shine I'm forgetting his name uh but like not too too big yeah in the film that changes the bar caravel bar is not just for everybody i mean it kind of is but it's also like specifically for journalists who offer teachable moments mm-hmm. um as to lbj's foreign policy decisions mm-hmm. and just what's happening on the ground in vietnam you know, this is a movie about truth and lies and what is shown on the news. And so I think there's like a very obvious choice to like make a journalist character like a thing. Yeah. So that's what they do here. A photojournalist named Arthur Coates, played by Russell Crowe. New character serves the story's purpose. Obviously much more about truth and power. Um, and as a photojournalist, like he documents all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's also important, as we just talked about, with his like tourist credentials being like taken away. A man, Russell Crowe, Arthur Coates, has press credentials, so he can use those to then move around mm-hmm. Vietnam. So, both like serving to educate Chicky on what's really happening, because God forbid you use a Vietnamese person to do that. <laughs> also, he's got like a big press badge and a big camera. And, you know, when you have a camera in Vietnam, everyone's going to allow you to go anywhere, yeah, obviously. Exactly, so yeah. uh, it's all fine. Yeah. It's a nice it's a nice plot device, I think. Like, it allows him to go different places that he didn't go in the book. And um, it also introduces, like, characters to sort of push Peter Farrelly's message, right? Yeah. Question everything, question politicians, be critical, et cetera. Um, so it totally makes sense um, from the movie's perspective. Um, I did like it. I did like Russell Crowe. There weren't enough. There wasn't enough like backstory on him. There wasn't enough um, like uh, poignant dialogue that was like, this guy really knows his shit. It was more kind of like, what was that one quote where it's like, uh, there are many wars within a war or something like that. Like yeah. um, when Chicky sees the US tank blow a hole through the u.s embassy in order to allow the Viet Cong to sort of infiltrate and stuff like that was that wrong no they they infiltrate it and then after that happens the tank comes and blows a hole in oh the that's wall right just to like act like like it didn't we're doing so our job yeah. yeah yeah and then later on there the, the press is basically fed a lie that that it was the Viet Cong that blew that hole and not the u.s military so it sort of you know gets chicky's mind racing like what why would they say that etc cetera, etc cetera. so um russell crowe's character is sort of like this father figure mentor character to him sort of showing him that like there is another side to the coin that you're told of um on the news at night uh in new york city but which is an int- i think that is an interesting and worthwhile perspective to like dive into 
it just didn't feel genuine enough to at least to me to sort of like um like give us more of his give us more of his story give us more points on like poignant points on why chicky's wrong and not you know it's it's sort of it's hard as well because like chicky's coming into this bar and into the story as like this like dumb kid who drinks beer and is doing this really dumb thing so he has no credibility whatsoever so like the people who are around him the journalists etc are sort of just dismissive to him immediately and kind of throughout as well so there isn't really this combat of ideologies it's just sort of like you're just being an idiot you're not like opening your mind like and that's it and like that's sort of the message to to chicky at least where it's like let's like have some ideological conflict like let's talk this out let's have a scene this is what movies are for this is what this is why we do this right we like we make art to sort of like interrogate ideas or exactly yeah. like we don't you know i don't know i just feel like they're like in the book in the movie as well there's this missed opportunity they kind of do it but not not really yeah, there's a, the the very first moment in the hotel where LBJ is talking and Russell Crowe like gruffly says like turn that lion asshole off and then Zac Efron's like, hey, that's the president of the United States. You, you gotta, gotta respect that. You gotta respect that. You gotta respect, respect the office. It. And the New York accent kind of goes in and out and is whatever. <laughs> um, but I just like the the stones to say that like in a hotel in a country you've like been to once before, but like among all these people that probably know like more than you in a certain way you know what i mean yeah yeah. just to like be yelling at other people to be fair like i think zach offron did a great job in that scene like appearing to be like an idiot kind of like you know what i mean like i assume that was his like intention yeah (laughs) like that he to be moronic to be (laughs) immoral when i was the character to be moronic (laughs) when i was the character you were farting in bathtubs laughing your ass off Keep going. You can quote it. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> but yeah, I, I actually thought like now that you mentioned that, like I think like he like that character came across in that scene. And I think that's sort of the job of an actor to sort of do that. Right. Like they have to bring the character to the screen. And in that case, he was a dumb idiot making a dumb point of like you just respect what the president does. You respect that he's of course you respect the president no matter what. Like, of course, but like blindly trusting and blindly following is like that's where the journalists come in and like okay you're being a fucking idiot dude anyways yeah i I think like recently in movies i think a lot of the flaw is like you are trying to do this thing which is like pit two ideologies against each other without like fully inhabiting the ideology you don't agree with yeah which is like okay well you know like the people on my side are going to have the the points and they're mm-hmm. going to win like the battle. Right, right, right. And like the other side, like they're just going to tee them up and they're going to hit a home run right. every time, <laughs> which is, which is like a way to do it, I suppose. But I think it, it would, it's richer and fuller and takes a little more work to really think about like why Zach Efron yeah. would be like crazy enough to get on a boat, go to Vietnam to give like his buddies a beer. Yeah. I feel like that, that is like the hardest part of this entire thing is trying to understand his motivation and like how that explains his character. That's the hardest hump to get over is like, mm-hmm. why the fuck did this guy go to Vietnam? Cause it makes no sense. It's really stupid. Yeah. All of those things are true. Mm-hmm. And yet he still did it. Mm-hmm. 
And like, <laughs> what, what does that say about that person? Like very clearly, like, I don't know that a dumb person does that. Like, I, I think like you have to, you know, like right? you have to have some sort of like moral, strong moral compass. Yeah. Some sort of root that is telling you, this is what I need to do in life. Because I believe in this, whatever this is, so much that I have to go and do it. Like, I have no other option, basically. Fucking these people uh, still today go on these missions, yeah. trying to convert people for their religion. They, you know, whatever you think of those people, they have a clear belief in something. There is a, there is something in them that is like, this is the right path. Right. At least I would imagine for most of those people, maybe not all of them, but like that's where you need to like prove Chicky's character. Like this guy, like this is what he believes into his core. We just, we didn't get it. I can't believe we got to Mormonism. That was, <laughs> if you had that on the bingo board, Listen, congratulations. It's 9 56 PM on yeah. a Wednesday night. Uh, We're getting lit. Three, um, three beers. To eat. I know. So the only other thing I wanted to talk about um, was his friend, Tommy. Which one? The, there were two of them. There were two of them, which I thought was <laughs> which kind is of confusing. annoying. There are two of them in real life, so I think yeah. they kept the names like to the book. Yeah. Um, Tommy. Oh man, I can't remember. It's. I think it starts with them. This Tommy is Zach Efron in, invented in the movie. Basically, Tommy Minogue and Tommy Collins. So Tommy Minogue. So Tommy Collins is like the first guy he finds. Mm -hmm. Tommy Minogue is his buddy who dies, and in the movie they tommy minogue is his best friend mm -hmm. and it is revealed so he goes there and everyone's like oh tommy is mia that can't be good that can't be good yeah and they're like oh don't you know sorry about your friend tommy he's like oh no he's mia he, he'll be fine it's revealed later in the movie that zach efron was the one who encouraged him to enlist like at the start yeah he this is the scene where they talk about like there's my dad said there's no hitler to fight and he's like no we're fighting communism like join mm -hmm. and it's a it's a re reveal and then later like his mom or earlier his mom gives him a rosary later zach efron gives the rosary back to his mom and says like you know i couldn't your son died and i'm really sorry about that and it's my fault because i encouraged him to go to vietnam and it was just like an extra layer of stuff to me that like so badly didn't need to be there it kind of acted as a like hidden motivational tool for him to go to vietnam and i th i think for it to like be hidden in the movie uh, i just thought it was like kind of poop this is one of those things that's that the technical term as well yeah, it is yeah it is actually look it up this is one of those things where i think this is an actor giving his notes to the director on like wouldn't you think like this would be like this would add so much depth to my character here like this would add such more like guilt and blah 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 whatever not to say that that's a wrong thing to think as an actor like i think that's like you want to have these things like in the in the movie that we did recently this summer um with uh chris hemsworth spiderhead yeah so the female lead i can't remember her name jesse Sm jesse smollett's sister um she has jesse jesse Je what did i say jesse jesse smollett's sister but her name is jesse no jesse smollett is the guy oh her name is jesse isn't it jesse it's j-u yeah, yeah look it up so she has this moment in the movie you can listen to the pod if you want um we go way more in depth of it 
basically she has this reveal as to why she's in this prison and basically the reveal is that she uh, left her kid in a car for several hours and the kid died so she's in this prison she's and she's being a part of these like uh, scientific tests and stuff and journey journey smollett journey um and so she 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 actually it was in an interview that i watched that she revealed this and i thought and we talked about it on the podcast like it was just it was just a not it's like like, at least in my opinion it was like such a like demonstrative way to ruin a character like at that at that point once you admit that like it's such a it's like there's a line that you can cross and you lose all sympathy. I think that is one of those lines, right? There are there is no recovery for people like that. I think in our society and in, in general, like so, it's like it's like one of these things where it's like, yeah, it gives your it gives your character much more like depth and guilt and character, right? Um, but does it serve the story? I think in both cases, it it sort of detracts. Yeah. And ultimately, it was like not his motivational. It was. It wasn't. It was. It didn't motivate him because at no point while he was there was he like really looking for him. He was just like right. listening to people being like, "Oh, sorry, my friend." He's like, "Oh no, he's still here." It would. It would have paid off if if he was way more invested in the journey beforehand. It yeah. it almost would have served better if it wasn't a reveal. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It, yeah. yeah, I thought it was kind of, it was kind of cheap. Yeah, and it was just like, oh, another thing for you to feel bad about, actually people yeah you know gives your character depth, so i just right? wanted to bring that up because it, no i, I think, think that's right. kind of a big part yeah for sure part. definitely okay so those are the five um main differences um i think that's sort of it from us and from that perspective is there any anything else you want to mention there or no any other difference i'm done <laughs> <laughs> i'm out so was the adaptation successful i'm gonna say yes uh what because i i think this i think this adaptation set out to do what it was was trying to do which is perhaps not successfully take a book that was missing some of the like realism that Mm -hmm. the movie required of it and layer in the realism now i think i think it did i think it did that like it made it real was it a good movie that's the next question (laughs) That's true. That's the next question. Do you think the adaptation was successful? Um, no, I don't think it was. I don't think it served the story. I think it, I think it detracted and changed it in ways that didn't enhance it. I guess we need to define. We we should probably define better, like what makes an adaptation successful. And it probably changes from movie to movie. But I think we should we could come up with like a better definition of like, yeah, did it like do its job of bringing, like, this material to the screen like did it take it from this medium and successfully do it in this medium like did they do the job but i feel like there's more to it than just that i feel like did they bring the same tone did they bring the same um you know feeling did they bring the same revelation revelations um so no that's what i'm that's what i'm saying now it didn't do that for me it wasn't it wasn't enjoyable i think that's fair yeah i think it's fair i think i think reading this book you can leave it thinking like chicky donahue is this like you know democrat pro-soldier pro-union kind of like very 
very Irish, like number one. Yeah, yeah. It's a very different character, dif- like a big character difference. He's mm-hmm. this guy's like very New York in the movie, and mm-hmm. like very Irish yeah, in yeah. the book. Yep. Um, I think you have a good sense of his like what he looks like and that sort of thing, versus not necessarily what he feels. And I think the not knowing what he feels enables the director and the writers of the film to like fill it in yeah like we have a we basically have like a drawing of his body like think of like a bubble boy Mm -hmm. and it's it's just bubbles and then the filmmakers color it in with crayons and to say like you know you gave us the skeleton and we're gonna fill the skeleton with like feeling and emotion and Mm -hmm. motivation and reason and all that stuff now, did they fill it with like you know Diet Coke and Mentos? Yes, but <laughs> I, I think it was like <laughs> it's, it's ten oh four. They they <laughs> took like what they had, which was limited, and yeah, they yeah. decided like, hey, I think the best way to do this is to tell it via real like a a, a realistic perspective. Mm-hmm. Was that the wrong decision? I think we both agree that it is. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 all it's all muddied up do you think that the timing of this movie changed the theming behind it like that it came out in 2022 like do you think then like the sort of political climate that we're in now with this definitely i think this movie is like very yeah it's like very journalist pro journalist this movie knows exactly that it's like a comment on today i think for sure do you think that like is a is a benefit to the movie or is is the opposite like do you think movies need to be i don't know like poignant on or make a point on the culture of the this moment even even if it's like a of a previous time i mean why not you know i i think the the i don't think the message was necessarily like wrong or mm-hmm. like distracting or bad i think it was just like very messaged and it and the message was it was like not big enough to carry the movie which is basically just like truth is good like question lies Mm -hmm. but told to i don't know maybe it's just like we've been hammered with like this for six years now Mm -hmm. and everyone has their opinion on this and like that is a subject that people don't actually feel is worth debate because we've been like faced with its like nadir yeah a couple years ago and so like sure you can argue it but like we are so tired of arguing it like what's the fucking point it's kind of interesting um think about it now because this is a movie that is marketed towards a certain type of person I haven't seen any marketing for this movie. Well, me. there hasn't been much, but like if there was, right? And there has been like at least a little bit. Who would who would you think this is like marketed towards? This is marketed towards like generally white males, maybe maybe in high school, generally speaking, they're probably older. Like maybe in their thirties, forties, maybe in their twenties as well. Maybe even people who served in Vietnam, right? In their seventies, eighties, whatever it is. Um, and who maybe had heard about this story through the grapevine, like oh, because you know stories like this in the military get passed around, and you know people hear about things. I wonder, 
like because of that and because of like where generally speaking that group of people lies in this conversation like i wonder if that was if almost like this movie was like a vehicle for this message do you understand what i'm trying to say yeah yeah i i think like i think it's exactly that it it knows like there there's a version of this movie where like zach efron and uh russell crowe just watch lbj on the tv in that bar and nobody says anything like he doesn't say turn that lion asshole off and he doesn't say that's the president you got to respect that they just look at it and it's enough to listen to like lbj saying these things and it's and then show the reality in the next scene it's enough to have like we know that this is the president and then we go outside and we see this with our own eyes Mm -hmm. and like that divide tells you what you need to know yeah. it's not somebody saying hey you president of the united states you're a lying asshole mm-hmm. hey you can't say that he's not a lying asshole right he's the president yeah um so I, I, it's a movie that just like very clearly spells out that it just it just like it's very like you know whatever it, it shows his hand and it's not afraid to show its hand yeah it's like hey i got you know pocket aces and or you know whatever the hand, <laughs> this is, dude, whatever I'm hand is going all in, whatever hand this is holding, <laughs> and it's just like I'm not a, I'm not, I I'm not care. gonna be bashful about it. Yeah, I got like two cents left on the board. My, you know, chips are in the middle of the table. I don't care if you see my hand. It's <laughs> my hand. This, yeah, but I, I will, I would say like, even if you are trying to market towards those people, it's probably better served if you do it more subtly, <laughs> and not so heavy handed. But you know who knows who knows what the motivations behind this movie were it's just like so broad like it's it's weird like the way you're selling it is like if if we look at the poster it's kind of like zach efron dangling he's on a beer can i think he's on he's on like a yeah he's sort of like he's on a pbr can i'm pretty sure he's dangling off yeah yeah it's like a parachute Oh, sorry for yeah. the for so the if you look at this poster, he's dangling off a beer can that's coming down with like a. It's a it's a comedy. Like it looks that, like a comedy. It yeah. looks like. Broy. Right? Yeah. Like lack of a better word. Yeah. And this movie is really not that at all. It was very earnest. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very broad while also being like, very, sticktuitiveness, whatever the adverb is in there. Like. It wants to tell a very like liberal message. While also being like a movie for the different, like a different demographic. Yeah. So it like it like brings in people who who want to go to this world, and then like hits them. Maybe that's the point. Is like we're gonna get them in and then give them not what they want. But yeah. like, I don't know. It it feels very confused. Yeah, and it's tough too because like Apple TV. I can't imagine there's that many people who. Uh, Subscribe. Just, I think it. just us at this point. <laughs> just talking about Pachinko and all the other. I canceled mine, so this is the last movie I'll ever watch. <laughs> anyway, get us out of here. Let's talk about something else. Um, I was gonna read your. Can I read your letterbox? Sure. Um, Eric wrote, "It's hard to make such a self-serious film with such a silly premise. Not a terrible film, but one that continuously smacks you in the face with its message until finally break." Um, and buy PBR from your local grocery store. So I think that's funny. You yeah. broke and you did it. I did it. <laughs> so it worked. The subliminal messaging worked. I it wasn't bought, very subliminal. But I bought PBR for the pod. That's true. Yeah. It's actually kind of good. I like it. It's a, it's actually a good beer to like have a few of. I don't feel sh- like super shitty yet. Yeah. 
wait for the fourth one yeah we'll see how it goes yeah um okay let me bring us home here it is past 10 o'clock um on a wednesday night so and we both gotta work tomorrow hot takes um i'll go first there's something there in mr efron i think he's got something i know he's like kind of like this teenage movie star thing but i think his acting chops are like a bit underrated but also are not that great i think he like there are moments in this movie where like wow that was like pretty good like that was well done and like he there is talent there um so i just wanted to mention that he's he's somebody who's like very meldable like you can imagine him doing a lot of different things yeah would he be successful maybe not but he's like you know you come off the bench for you and play you know some crunch time minutes i feel like his his best is like when he's on the bench and like when he's a bit part like in all these random movies he's done and he's not the lead because if i don't know i feel like you need to be out of the public sphere for a while and then kind of come back after people have forgotten about you and you're like, Oh yeah, I forgot about Zach Efron. He's like, he was like this guy who did this thing, but he's done all these interesting, weird things now. So like Robert Pattinson. Yeah. He fucking, he was like the biggest star in the world and then went away for a while did these weird fucking things. And now he's like the fucking man. I don't, I, yeah. I, I feel like Zach Efron's taste is not like weird. Like he's very, yeah. Like, he's done a few weird he's films. On that, he did that Netflix like docuseries or whatever. Oh, wait, what? Oh, the Ted Bundy, yeah. No, well, that, and he did, like, a travel series where he, like, went around. Oh, yeah, I do remember that, actually, yeah. Stuff. So, good for you, Zach Efron. Yeah. Um, my hot take is that, I already, well, I already said my hot take. My new hot take <laughs> is, I think that we were better off in a pre-internet world. Like, when you could get away with, like, being a civilian in Vietnam, and, like, no one would know the difference. Isn't that kind of better? I think so. I disagree. I agree with your sentiment. You but like, I, like Big Brother, like everyone knows where you're going. I, I I disagree with the timing. I think we were better off. We were better off in a internet world. We are better off in the internet world, but we were better off before social media. We were better off in a pre so that, in an internet pre social media world. So that like hot like two thousand like ninety two to like two thousand and one something like that yeah probably probably honestly my space like, is cool like that could stay so facebook was like oh two oh three right something like that yeah so like basically we're talking about like when 9 11 happens the world just starts Changes, to get yeah. worse like zuckerberg's like damn forever. i need to make a fucking social media thing <laughs> because of this 9 11 no, no. that's a bad joke but no but that's sort of like the turning point which like after that everything is worse correct like yeah continuously worse yeah well, that's good. I don't know. Things are going great for me <laughs> right you now. You got a second so. tattoo, so that's you know. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, move your book. Uh, book. I think it's. Um, I think I give the book three or four stars, and nice. I give the movie two stars. So, there you go. At least a star difference for me. Yeah, I would. I would agree. It's not like leaps and bounds better, but it is. It is clearly better um, than the movie. I I agree. I think there's something to the idea that like there's no bad nonfiction books because if you don't like it, ultimately like the worst thing that can happen is that you've learned something. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so, um, it, you know, there's picking always, it up is, is, there's a low, low ceiling, high floor. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Or high ceiling, high ceiling low floor. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, final thoughts. Um, 
should have been a comedy. I think I mentioned that before, but it just would have it just would have served the story better, I think. But I think tomorrow I'm probably gonna watch Tropic Thunder and then come back with additional notes. Did you watch it today? Did you watch No, I was at work. When was the last time you watched it? Uh, a couple of years. It's been a while. You're lying. A couple of years. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Well, it's been, a couple it's, of weeks, uh, maybe. Uh, I have actually. Charlie got me the uh, French version, with the. With the <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because it's cool. Have you seen it in French yet? No, I. Uh, it won't play on my. Oh, because uh, it's a French DVD. Yeah. So I'm gonna buy a French DVD player, <laughs> then play it and test my. Uh, this is a great way to test your fluency because I already know the. I guess that's true. I know the lines. Yeah. That's true actually. That's a good oh, point. Yeah. You do know the lines. He he did quote it earlier. Yes. What's your That's very sad. <laughs> what's your final thought? Um you said it. PBR is not that bad. Uh Yeah. My, the first sip of this case, I was like, "Oh no." Yeah. Every successive beer a little bit better. A little bit than better, yeah. Yeah, the opposite of the United States and the world post Do you think it's like, because the, a little bit better? <laughs> I think it's because the drinking dulls your sensations. Oh, so you can't sure. actually yeah. taste it. <laughs> Yeah, like my tongue is just like ruined, you know. All <laughs> of no the taste left. Yeah, all the, all the buds have been murdered. It's by, like you've been you've had COVID. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> These Milwaukee hops have just like done a number on my my body. Um, get total, us out of here. Totally agreed. Uh, I'm signing off now. Check out our most recent episode on Bullet Train, and then keep an eye out for our next episode on She Said. Um, I believe it comes out in early to mid November. I can't remember off the top of my head, but just, you know, follow the social medias at let to lens. Um, we're also on TikTok. If you're not aware, um, Eric has been running the TikTok account now for a few months and, uh, he just made a new one that's gotten a few views and a, co- a couple likes, but what's really, what's really going great is the Chris Pine, Harry Styles spit. Yeah. Spat. Uh, so, you know, keep hitting that, like keep smashing <laughs> <laughs> that like, and subscribe. <laughs> We thank you for all you do. Yeah, we appreciate it. But yeah. um, Harry definitely spit first. He definitely spits, right? Like, that was a fucking spit. I actually am in on this theory that they had this thing going on. Like, this funny joke. It's very funny, isn't it? Like, you laugh at it, right? I like it. I kind of want to do this now. I want to, like, have a friend of mine that I spit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I Not, like, actually spit, but, like, fake actor, spit. Actors are weird, you know what I mean? So maybe it's his thing. It better does. Next week on Let's Lens podcast, an investigation. <laughs> Did Harry Styles really spit on Chris Pine? We're going to actually get them both on the pod yeah. so they can hash it out. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> All right, we're done. Um, thanks for listening. And um, yeah, we'll see you whenever we see you. So, see ya. What kind of beer do you like? Heineken. Heineken? Fuck that shit! Pabst Blue Ribbon! I've got Pabst!